What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there. Appreciate everyone who tunes in and listens to me each and every week. If you haven't done so already, please go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at English Encore Podcast. I make some cool graphics posting my topics for the week on um, Monday and Fridays, as well as doing live sessions. I'm still hoping to have um, a live session this week. I've been talking with Bill's inside reporter, Sal Capaccio, about coming on. We're just kind of working through some dates and times, as everyone knows. Um, the Bills and every other NFL team just did their roster cuts. It's the first week coming up, um, so Sal's been doing a great job, and he's been really busy, so hopefully we'll get him on here this week, if not in the future. And I'm still working on getting my other friend who works for um, NFL Draft Central um, coming on talking about next year's draft class and the effects of COVID and things like that. So stay tuned with me on Instagram for that. And then on a Wednesday, um, pre-sale starts for my merchandise that I have coming out. If you want to take a look at that, you can go on my Instagram page. Shirts are there. You can check out the cool video I made for it, and it gives you all the details about ordering, um, how to pay, return policies, all that good stuff. Today, I'm be going into the Bills 53-man roster breakdown. Um, not going to spend too much time going through every single position, but maybe just a quick roster overview um, five players that I was kind of surprised that made it, or maybe a lot of people were surprised. Talk about big play Trey White finally getting a new contract and what that means for the Bills' current cap situation. And then to end the show today, I'm going through my top 10 Bills and Sabres games of all time. It's going to be a mixture of just being a great game overall, um, you know, making it memorable, or just, you know, just a big part in both of their histories. So, starting off with the Bills 53-man roster, there weren't too many surprises. I think there were probably three or four players that um, really caught a lot of people's attention. But, before I get into that, Tredavious White signed a new four-year, $70 million extension with the Buffalo Bills, including $55 million guaranteed. The total value of the deal is up to $82.1 million. The average is about 17.5 per season. Um, just another incredible job by Bill's GM, Brandon Bean. Um, if you talk to a lot of people around the NFL, especially you know Bill's insiders and reporters, they thought Trey White was going to get way north of $18 million. People were even speculating into the 19s, potentially $20 million, depending on if they waited um, for the end of the season. So just another great job of being, you know, getting the player that the Bills, you know, covered back, um, keep an elite cornerback, in my opinion, a top two cornerback in the NFL. Um, I know him and Stephon Gilmore always go back and forth on who that actually is. But, you know, keeping him around, the contract doesn't even kick in until after next season. So you have him through his rookie deal which gives the Bills a lot more flexibility um, with their current cap. And, you know, deals like that, the one they got with Quentin Spain, Deion Dawkins, Brandon Bean's ability to move money around is just super beneficial long-term because now they're going to have the proper amount of money to give Matt Milano to extend him. Brandon Bean talked about it today. 
in his press conference that he has Matt Milano in his long-term plans and they want to keep him here in Buffalo. Not to mention in the future, guys like Trent Murphy, Jerry Hughes are getting up there in age, are going to be coming off the books in a year or two. Um, Star Latule is another guy we have to wonder about next year after he opted out with for COVID this season. But just Brandon Bean doing an excellent job. Um, overall, for the Bills 53-man roster, I think some people were surprised. They did elect to keep three quarterbacks with Matt Barkley, Josh Allen, and Jake Fromm. Um, wide receivers pretty much shaked up to exactly what people thought they were going to be with you know John Brown, Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis being the locks. Um, you know Andre Roberts, originally people were kind of scared because they originally did cut him, but then they decided to keep Isaiah Hodgins, but Isaiah Hodgins and John Felicio and now have been put on IR, which allowed them to bring back Andre Roberts and Dean Marlowe. Um, the biggest five surprises for me as far as looking at the Bills roster breakdown, um, LaShawn Phillips, the linebacker, and Tyrell Dotson. Um, Dotson we heard a little bit more about, um, so I wasn't overly surprised that he made it, but Delshawn Phillips making it was a huge surprise for me. Um, you know, he was never really talked about a lot by any Bills reporters. He was kind of an unknown. He did spend some time with our practice squad last year, um, but He's kind of an unknown, but a really good opportunity for a young player to step in and prove himself. Um, and I trust the Bills front office that he's going to do a great job for us. I think people were a little surprised that Andre Smith didn't make it considering they claimed him, or excuse me, they traded for him uh, from the Carolina Panthers. But Brandon Bean, another smart GM move, um, elected to cut him. And they did get him on the practice squad. So now that uh, trade they made is void. So they're going to get that conditional pick back and they're allowed to keep him on the practice squad. And then as long as they're on there um, past the first week, they can bring him up onto the active roster, and we're still going to get that conditional pick back. So another great job by being there. Um, Ike Bodiger was a guy that I predicted would make the 53-man roster. I know some people were a little surprised that he made it over some of the other offensive linemen. But, um, you know, I think it's great depth, at least until Feliciano gets back. Um, Reggie Gilliam, uh I don't think people were surprised, especially once DeMarco went on IR. Um, however, they did switch him over to a tight end rule. So it seems like the Bills are going to be going a little more single back, not a lot of fullback formations. But it's a little weird um, that they did that. They do have four tight ends with him now on the roster, which is a little unusual um, with him, Lee Smith, Dawson Knox, and Tyler Croft. You have to wonder if maybe later in the season that changes. And then the last really surprise was Daryl Johnson. He was kind of on the edge to me he did make the team last year um I didn't hear him get talked about too much during training camp this year so I was, wasn't um really sure about him but um really good for him to make it again a, another young player that's going to continue to learn from guys like Mario Addison Hughes Murphy um as well as be able to kind of take uh AJ Spencer under his wing um even though he's only been in the league for a couple years just another guy um, some other notable names from the practice squad, uh, Christian Wade, Davis Webb, Duke Williams, Jason Kroom, Dane Jackson, and Cam Lewis, as well as Mike Love. Um, those were a few of the guys that I thought were going to make teams Cam Lewis and Mike Love. So to get them back is really um, beneficial just because for injury purposes, you know, Josh Norman and Levi Wallace both seem to be fully healthy and ready to go this week for week one. So I think that's why they decided to make that move. Um, but it's definitely nice to get both those guys back um, just in case something happens to Jackson and Lewis. But yeah, that's pretty much 
all I have on the Bills roster. I gave my full 53-man prediction um, on Wednesday, so if you want to go back and listen to that and see how close I was. Um, I was pretty close. There were only three or four guys I was off on, but um, as I just mentioned, I thought Lewis and Love were going to make it, but they are on the practice squad, so um, overall, I think the Bills did a good job. I'm really excited for their roster this year, and I think they're going to do a great job week one versus the Jets. Um, next Monday, I'll go through um, a breakdown of that game. Moving on to the biggest portion of today's podcast, everyone. I'll be going through my 10 best Bills and Sabres games of all time. Um, it's going to be a mixture of you know some memorable moments, some heartbreak, just great games overall. Um, there's been so many Bills and Sabres games played all time, so obviously my list is going to differ from a lot of other people's. But this is the 10 that I came up with personally. Starting off at number 10, going all the way back to 1992, I have the Bills' 34-31 win versus the 49ers when Jim Kelly and Steve Young went to battle in the famous no-punt game um, in, a, in the win. Um, you know, just a great game between two of the best quarterbacks of all time. You look at today's NFL, it's very rare that you don't see punt punting at all during the course of a game. This game was just an absolute shootout. Both offenses, you know, going back and forth. The uh, K-Gun, famously known um, for Jim Kelly and the Bills with Marv Levy there with the high-powered offense of Steve Young as well on the other side. Just going back and forth all game, I think that's one of the most memorable games if you talk to a lot of older Bills fans. Just because back then, obviously, the Bills were one of the powerhouses in the AFC and the 49ers were that in NFC. So those two doing battle, um, to me, came in at number 10. Number 9, I have the 1-0 quadruple overtime win versus New Jersey Devils. That is a game in which Dominic Hasek recorded a 70-save shutout. Um, you know, the Sabres got outshot by a lot in that game. But, you know, Dominic Hasek being the greatest goaltender of all time um, by many people, did a great job for the Sabres and kept them in it through four overtime periods, one of the longest games um, in NHL history. And, you know, the Sabres winning that game just showed how spectacular Hasek was. Um, and the Sabres were able to finally gut it out and get the win in the fourth overtime. But the Hasek 70 save performance, I think, alone deserves to be on this list. At number eight, I have... 5-4 overtime win versus the Philadelphia Flyers in 1975 in the famous Fog game. This was the Sabres' um, first home game for a Stanley Cup final in the odd. Um, it was just really cool looking back at some of the old video and pictures of that game before I was well before I was born. And, you know, seeing, you know, all those guys on the ice, Rene Robert eventually scoring. Um, the winning goal in overtime. It was just big because, you know, that was the first Stanley Cup the Sabres were in. And the fog itself just made that game crazy. You could barely see anything looking back at the TVs back then. Um, it would even be hard to probably see on today's TVs. Um, and you just never see that anymore. Back then, they didn't have the technology or, you know, the Zamboni help and that kind of stuff um, of today's game to really get it to work like that. Um, just a crazy game, and I just feel it deserves to be on here. Um, number seven, I have Game 5 semifinals against the New York Rangers, where Chris Drury ties the game in the final seconds of regulation before Max Afinaganov 
wins it in overtime on a blast from the top of the blue line and dives to center ice in front of a ruckus HSBC arena at the time. Um, you know, the lot outside was packed. I remember watching it at my family's house. Just a crazy game. Um, that was probably one of the best teams I've ever seen. Um, and I think they're one of the best teams in Sabres history to go along with a lot of the early um, on teams, whether it was Hashik's team or, you know, Gilbert Perot, Robert, um, Rick Martin, all of those guys. Um, that game was just special because, you know, everyone thought the Sabres really had a chance to win the cup that year. And the Rangers were a very tough team. Henrik Lundqvist was one of the best goalies along with Ryan Miller. So them going to head to head was really cool. And, of course, Chris Drury, Danny Breer were always the clutch guys um, for the Sabres during that time. So Drury scoring that goal with just a few seconds left on the clock was really special. Number six, I have the 2006 3-2 overtime win versus Ottawa in Game 5 of the playoffs where they eliminated the Senators. And Rick Jenneret famously said, these guys are good, scary good. Um, Jason Pominville pretty much going coast-to-coast making a great play going from backhand to forehand and scoring on Ray Emery and eliminating a very favored Senators team in which, you know, the Sabres were really shocking a lot of people at that time. And that was pretty much the beginning of next three to five years of the Sabres really being one of the most dominant teams in the Eastern Conference and the NHL in general. Um, they had a very great young core with Pominville, Vanek, um, to go along with the Briers, the Juries, the Tim Connollys of the world with a rising star and Ryan Miller. They had a great blue line with Brian Campbell. Um, just a very fun team to watch. Some of Rick Jenneret's best calls came from that team in general. Um, and I feel like that game really does deserve to be on here because that's one of the biggest sayings that people will remember when Rick Jenneret is all said and done, which could potentially be this year, they said. Um, and I think that was just the turning point in part of franchise's history as far as having a span uh, period in the NHL where they were one of the best teams. Um, number five, our first really um, sad note, if you're a Bills fan, the Music City Miracle. Till this day, it's still a four pass. I don't care what any Titans fan says. Um, a game that really should have never came down to that. Um, you know, Ralph Wilson, God rest his soul, made the decision that they were going to go with Rob Johnson instead of Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie played great the entire regular season. Rob Johnson played the last game of the season against the Colts, but they traded a pick to get him, and they wanted to, you know, get their investment worth, I guess. They decided to roll with Rob Johnson. If you watch Doug Flutie's A Football Life, he talks about how, you know, it wasn't Wade Phillips' decision. It's Wade Phillips one of his favorite coaches to play for, and they rolled with Rob Johnson. They ended up taking the lead very late in the game on a field goal. And then ultimately, you know, Music City Miracle happens. They throw the ball across the field. It was forward. They called it back. And they ran down the field on the kickoff for a touchdown, and the Bills lost. I thoroughly believe if they would have won that game, they would have went back to Doug Flutie um, just based on how Rob Johnson played because he did not play great. But that game has to be on here because it's one of the most talked about games in Bills history. Um, even though it's very sad, it has to be up there in top number five. Number four, I have the Ottawa Sabres brawl. Um, one of the craziest things I've ever watched on TV. If you were there, it was probably one of the craziest sporting events you've ever been to. 
It all started when Chris Neal hit one of our captains and Chris Drury. And then, you know, Drew Stafford goes after him. Then the next shift, you have the goon line for us at that time of Andrew Peters, Adam Mayer, Patrick Coletta in his first game, you know, going out there with some other guys. Marty Baran was in goal. You know, Adam Mayer goes right after the top guys like Jason Spezza. Then Ray Emery and Marty Baran skate to the middle and start fighting. Then Andrew Peters huh, fights Ray Emery. And it's just chaos all around. Lindy Ruff got off the bench, went at uh, Brian Murray on the other bench and actually hurt his hamstring really bad because he fell off the boards. If you haven't watched the Beyond Blue and Gold about that brawl, uh, I recommend giving that a watch. But it's just so iconic. I remember watching it. Um, at my house, our power was out, and when it came back on, about one minute later was when Chris Neal uh, had the hit on Drury, and you know that was really the start of a big rivalry for a short period of time between us and the Senators, just because we had met a few times um, in in the playoffs, and you know we eliminated them, um, you know as I mentioned before with Pominville. So, and you, when you play each other that many times a year, there's always going to be you know that tension, and Chris Neal is one of the you know, biggest tough guys in NHL history, probably one of the dirtiest players as well. You ask a lot of Sabres players back then, they hated that guy's guts. And it was always personal when those two teams met. Um, I really wish the Sabres had that kind of rivalry with another team like they do now. You know, obviously Buffalo hates Toronto right now, but it was never the same level as it was back then when the Senators and Sabres played each other. You always knew you were in for a thrill of a game. Um, number three, I have the greatest comeback ever. The Bills coming from 35-3 deficit down with Frank Wright at the helm to defeat the Houston Oilers in just an incredible game. Um, I really wish that I could have witnessed it firsthand. Um, my mom always talks about how she was working at Office Max near stadium, and even though it's miles away, they could hear the stadium from where they were um, because of how loud it was getting when the Bills started coming back. Um, a lot of people didn't have faith. Um, and Frank Wright, but you know, the famous story is Mark Levy going up to him and telling him how he led the greatest college football comeback of all time. And today he was going to lead the greatest NFL comeback of all time. And it was just a remarkable game. Guys stepped up Andre Reed, you know, Thurman Thomas, all those guys really stepped up for Jim Kelly, not being able to play. And, uh, that's easily one of the best games in Bill's history because we were on the winning side of it. Um, unfortunately, my next two um, aren't going to be the brightest moment for Bills and Sabres, but it's probably the two most talked about things um, in the history of Bills and Sabres for hockey and football. Number two, I went with no goal, um, Brett Hull, 1991, and a 2-1 triple overtime loss to the Stars in Game 6. Um, you know, his foot was in the crease. Back then, you know, they didn't really have the replay system that we do now, and they just, I guess, didn't really think to look it over. Um, I'm not saying that we would have won um, Game 7 by any stretch, but, you know, it's definitely one of the biggest moments in Sabre history because we still have never won a Stanley Cup yet, and that's probably the closest we've been. Um, obviously, many people talk about how Jay McKee, which I'll stand on my grave to this day, that if he didn't get hurt, we would have beaten Carolina and won the Cup that year. But um, that was really the Sabres' biggest opportunity to win a Stanley Cup at that point. And I really love Lindy Ruff for what, you know, he said, you know, no goal at his press conference. And even when he got hired 
um, in Dallas, there were reporters asking him, are you going to say that it was a goal now? And he stuck to his guns to the people in Buffalo and said, no, it was no goal. Um, so I have tremendous respect for Lindy Ruff for doing that. And it's obviously one of the most heartbreaking things for Sabres fans, but um, I think it's for historical value, it deserves to be this high. And then number one, I don't think there's really a question as much as it hurts wide right. Um, if you ever talk to any other fan base, and you're talking trash as a Bills fan, the first thing they're going to say to you is either the playoff drought or wide right. Um, you know, I don't really remember that game, and I've watched it a little bit. I've never watched the full game through. I wasn't really old enough for um, to understand it. But, um, you know, my parents and from everyone else telling me it should never got to that point. Our, our offense should have been blowing them out with the K-Gun. Um, you know, the Thurman Thomas stories beginning of the game with his helmet was very odd. But um, you feel bad for Scott Norwood. And I think after watching the four falls of Buffalo on ESPN, you really understand more that it really wasn't his fault. As many people want to blame him. For the longest time, I blamed him because I didn't really understand. But after watching that, you kind of understand that the Bills had opportunity after opportunity to really put that game away. Um, it's just unfortunate because we go to four straight Super Bowls. And then the first one we go to is our best chance to win one. Um, the other ones, you know, Cowboys blew us out we didn't play very well against the Redskins and then Jim Kelly got hurt in another one so it was very unfortunate from that aspect but um, you know wide right is obviously going to be one of the biggest games talked about you know in Buffalo sports history and maybe we're on the wrong side of it but hopefully in the future we'll be able to kind of right that wrong and um, have some other great games on here but that's my top 10 overall um, feel free if you see me post on Instagram later I'm going to be doing a little bit of a graphic Feel free to shoot me a message. Tell me some of your greatest games of all time um, from Bills and Sabres history. Um, like I said, keep an eye out. I'm hoping to get on some guests, hopefully this week, if not next week for sure. Like I said, I'm trying to still talk to Sal Capaccio, but he's very busy. I'm trying to get my friend from Draft Central, and then I have a few other guests um, that I really don't have a time frame for right now, and I don't want to give it too much of a spoiler for in case things don't work out. But um, thank you guys for always supporting. Like I said, merchandise pre-sale comes out on Wednesdays. So keep an eye out for that. I'll be back again on Friday, probably talking some NFL preview, talking about the Western Conference, Eastern Conference finals for hockey and some more MLB talk. Now that, you know, the playoffs are right around the corner, Blue Jays and Yankees play each other 10 more times to really, um, see who's going to get that second spot in the AL East. So, you know, Buffalo Blue Jays to start that series, I believe today in Salem Field in Buffalo. So go Blue Jays for that. Even though I'm a Yankees fan, you know, it's really good to see the Blue Jays succeeding in Buffalo. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope everyone stays safe and healthy. This has been an English Encore podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel.